What's up, Dogalos and Doculettes? It's your DocuDotty. I really like DocuDotty. I want to stick with that one. It's me, Bob Sham, introducing yet another Documenteers episode. Documenteers, a podcast where we discuss one of our favorite things, documentaries. We rate them in our sensual Werner Herzog rating scale. And the movie we have for you today is a classic, the 1999 Chris Smith. Yes, the return of director Chris Smith. It's fair price said sound. But Chris Smith returns for the film American Movie. Yes. Now, I would bet that fans of the documenteers, they know about American Movie. They know all about it. And if for any reason you've not seen this movie, you got to see this movie. It's one of the, the great co- comedic documentaries out there. And I don't want to spoil too much where we're going with our little review, or rather it's more like an ode to this documentary comedy classic. American Movie, the story of a man's dream. The new hot segment, Bobby's Boners, (laughs) which is the segment in which I talk about how I fucked up. I have another one. In the Shy Boys IRL episode, I said that that song was an Inya song. It's not an Inya song. It's a song by a group called Ademus, and the song is also called Ademus. So I get my 90s new age shit mixed up. I'm actually forgetting a couple more things that I fucked up, but I guess maybe that's a Bobby's boner in and of itself. But let's not dally and move on to this film, the 1999 classic American Movie. By Chris Smith. Keep on docking. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I know when I was growing up, I had all the potential in the world. Now I'm, I'm back to being Mark, who, who has a beard in his hand, and he's thinking about the great American script and the great American movie. So I'm at this party, all right, and I have three hits of acid. So I drop one. The next thing I know, I'm on the ground. So she dragged me onto the, her lawn, and her grandmother came home and said I had to go to the hospital. So I woke up in the hospital and searched my pockets for the other hits of acid because I wanted to drop them there, but they were gone because they had taken them from me, and they told me that it was just some blotter paper with some acid on it, and they told me I was going to die, but they just kept me from for there. For a month and told me I was the worst case they had ever seen and let me go. Yeah. I've got a million stories like that. I think it lives out the part that that acid was coated with PCP. No, that's a later acid story. And then there's another one. Get the acid stories mixed up. <laughs> Stuart, I can see you're in a good mood because the movie we are going to discuss today is a classic and also features the return of Chris Smith. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. Chris Smith, the first director we've done twice. We did Jim and Andy, and now we're doing American Movie. Welcome back to that same old. 
place that you laughed about. Chris Smith was the director of our very first Documenteers film. What's yes. up, Docs? That's Docs of the Next. What's up, Docs? Welcome to the Documenteers. The documentary podcast about documenteering. That's right, where we watch documentaries, discuss them, and rate them in our revolutionary Herzog rating system. Revolutionary. And Chris Smith is back. With the 1999 film American Moon. Oh, yeah. Now, when, when we covered Christmas Jim and Andy film, we said that we hoped that this podcast would result in documentary filmmakers being placed right up there with rock stars. Right. Meaning they get like groupies like crazy. Oh, yeah. Getting that sweet, sweet, meaningless sex on rooftops, drugs and needles in their arms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're assuming that thanks to our podcast, Chris Smith is just getting it left and right. That's my dream for you. Living like a rock star. You know, it's kind of like, and our, and our dream is to make the great American podcast, you know? Like, you make a podcast and everyone listen to it. Our podcast is like jazz. It's like jazz. Yeah, and I'm like... Just keeping the rhythm going. It's interesting that we, making the Great American Podcast, are watching American movie about... A movie about making the Great American movie. Yes. But if Chris Smith is wondering how since January 1st, that my shit's been getting so wet all the time. It's because of us, man. We're putting you into the stratosphere. Yeah. Documenteers. Uh, docking. Rocking with docking. And this movie is a part of the American dream. You might call it an American movie. Yeah. No, Nine. that's another movie. No, it's this movie. We're oh. talking about the classic Chris Smith film, American movie. 1999, we meet a dude. His name is Mark Borchardt. He says that he was a failure, and this time he will not fail. We're in northwest Milwaukee, Wisconsin. From clips and all, it seems like it's the entirety of the 90s that this movie kind of covers the basis of. In real life, though, it's uh, chronicling a period from 1996 to 97. No, 95 yeah. to 97. You also see footage of his film Northwestern, which has apparently been going since 1990. And maybe before that. We meet a guy named Tom Schimmels. He's an actor in a film called Coven that he's been working on, for that Mark has been working on for quite some time. But right now, Mark is writing a radio show, a Halloween radio show called The Creeps. He's putting up scarecrow props. But this is a radio show. You're not going to see these scarecrows. Well, he's just a, he, he's giving the idle hands something to do with their time. He's he, not putting them up. So he, he's working on the play. He says he's, he's using it to keep the troops motivated. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And we also meet one of the greatest people on the planet, Mike Shank. Mike Shank. Who also did the guitar music for this movie. The music guitar pieces. Guitar and music playing. This is a type of film. This is a type of documentary. It's a style of documentary. It's called the Hangout documentary. This is the kind of documentary where you're hanging out. Nothing much is going on. But things are going on. 
but you're just kind of there, reveling in the hang. This is the kind of documentary you can create only when you've been following someone obsessively for years. Or at least two years. We're talking close to the level of footage in Jim and Andy. Do you remember the amount of footage in Jim yes, and Andy? Yes, yes. How much was the footage initially that they'd shot? I can't remember how much, but it's like hours and hours, like 10 hours or something. Okay, so apparently 70 hours of footage was shot for American movie. This is the second film for uh, Chris Smith. You know, we're, we're seeing, we said it during Jim and Andy, the American movie is the, his film. We're not changing that. His most infamous film, even to this point. These two films are very similar in certain ways because mm -hmm. we're just hanging out with Jim as Andy and we're just hanging out with Mark and Mike and all his friends and family. Where Jim might be believing he's going in and out of a character. Guys like Mark and Mike, they cannot help but be who they are. Yeah, they're living the dream. Living the dream, man. The American dream. Mark said that one time he was doing the Halloween radio show. People were reading for it. And he was smoking dope and drinking beer. And then it occurred to him that he wasn't paying any attention to what they were saying. There were stilted performances. Yeah, it was, it was, they were making a mockery of his words. So Mark stops drinking beer. No, he doesn't. He, he keeps drinking beer. He's talking about how he doesn't have any money. He borrows money from his uncle. He's in debt in a lot of ways. And then he opens up some mail. Your AT&T Universal card has arrived? Oh, God. Kick fucking ass. I got a MasterCard. I don't believe it, man. Life is kind of cool sometimes. Mark has two brothers. One is wearing a Hooters shirt. And one thing about his brothers when they describe Mark is with a level of pity and low expectations for the future. Let me just, I want to read now a quote from the film. Okay. Okay. This is how we open the movie. This is the very first thing you hear. I was a failure. I was a failure and I get very sad and depressed about it. And I can't be that no more. I really feel like I betrayed myself big time. I know when I was growing up, I had all the potential in the world. Now I'm back to being Mark, who has a beer in his hand, thinking about the great American script and the great American movie. This time, I cannot fail. I won't fail. It's not in me. You don't get second chances and mess them up. You'd be a fool to not just finishing films or in the long run getting some money. This time, it's most important not to fail, not to drink and to dream, but rather to create and complete. That dude says a lot of shit in this movie. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> he sounds very nice when he's talking about all these things. But who is he truly trying well, to convince? Mark, the great thing about Mark is Mark is his own Tony Robbins. Yes, he is. He's his own motivator. He doesn't need anyone else out there. And those that doubt him may slow him down, but they won't stop him. That's why his foil is your favorite, Mike Shank. I used to uh, do a lot of partying together, but I don't party anymore. Who's <laughs> just there to smile and encourage. And Mike is just generally pleasant and easy to get along with. He's, he tells some acid stories throughout this movie. You get the vibe that Mike has done more drugs than most people yeah. have ever even seen. Now, I have another quote here to, to explain uh, sure. uh, their relationship, right? And this is a quote from Mike Shank. One day I was partying in my basement, and I always get used to, I always used to get, like, pissed off inside because I would want to party really heavy, and no one else would, you know. And then all of a sudden, Mark came over, and uh, either I had a bottle of vodka or he had a bottle of vodka, but anyway, we were drinking vodka, and I was so happy that I found someone who would drink vodka 
with me, you know? So um, then Mark would drink vodka with me all the time. We'd, uh, you know, I'd go over there all the time and we'd buy a fifth of vodka and we'd share it, you know? And uh, that really made me happy. <laughs> so that really, I think, encapsulates what the relationship was. It is no longer now. Mike Shank is no longer drinking. We'll yeah, find out. he's on the wagon. He's trying to fly it straight. Because he's trying to fly straight, which I admire. I just want to be Mike Shank's friend so bad. I really would love to just hang out with this guy. He might not be trying to be very entertaining, but he just breathlessly is. Both of them. I mean, yeah. I think that this comes from the fact that imagine just if the, somebody was just following us around for sixty hours. Over the course of, I don't know, a couple of years, he might find some good footage. I don't know. Maybe not. We're not. I don't know if we can compare ourselves to these guys, but. I don't know. I don't think we're we're there yet. We might someday. You know, if I had some vodka, you know, would you? If you had some vodka, I would have like a little bit with you, but not like a lot. I just don't want hangovers. I don't like hangovers. But I just want to party all the time. So, yeah, I'm getting kind of sad. I know that would make you happy. I'll try to find it. I'll be on the lookout for another sad person and I'll give them your number. <laughs> yes, Mark is very passionate. We meet we meet a Matt Wiseman. He's the casting director for this project he's been working on for years called Northwestern. And they're reading his lines and Mark is not he's not feeling it. He he turns to Mike and he says, They're making a mockery of my words, right, Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> Northwestern is on its third rewrite at this point. We meet Bill Borchardt, that's Mark's uncle, and he's got the money. And Mark, apparently, according to Mark's dad, Mark is the only person who has the ability to pry money from his uncle because his uncle is usually very cheap. Mark shows a picture of these actor girls who have agreed to act in <laughs> Northwestern. He's like, look here, Uncle Bill. Look at these girls. They want to be in your movie. They want to be in your movie, Uncle Bill. <laughs> Talk to me. Wow. That's All right. About that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bill is reacting in the moments, and he goes up and down. But for the most part, you can tell he doesn't have much faith in his nephew, but he does help him out. But Weissman is not sure where the film Northwestern is standing at this point. You see Mark, he's in bed. He's looking sick, and he's stressed, and he's getting ready for the fourth Northwestern meeting. But Mark has no money, and the script is not finished. But there's another film that he's been working on that is unfinished that he thinks is supposed to be about a 35-minute direct-to-market thriller called Coven. Coven. Not coven, like a witch's coven, but coven. Kovan. Mark's brother, one of his brothers, Alex. Alex has a lot to say about Mark in this movie. And he says that Mark's main asset is talking, but if he would if he was being honest, Mark is probably more suited for a factory job. Apparently Mark went to the army. It didn't work out. I wrote in my notes, suck down peppermint schnapps and call Morocco at two AM. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that for you. Yeah. Man, I got so drunk last night, I was trying to call Morocco. I was trying to get to the ho Hotel Hilton in Tangier. That's just pathetic, man. Is that what you want to do with your life, man? Suck down peppermint schnapps and try to call Morocco at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's just senseless. If you're at any point around Mark while he's making Northwestern or making Coven, and you're, say, eating a chicken salad sandwich, the odds of him saying, is that what you want to do with your life, man? 
are very high. Where does Mark work? At a cemetery. At the Valhalla Cemetery. This is big cemetery. And in the winter, he's vacuuming tombs. In Milwaukee. Right? In Milwaukee. Suburbs in Milwaukee. And he's laying down salt on the church steps. He is very resentful of having to do this. And he's also resentful of the fact that other people are having these lives too. Anything to Mark that isn't making a movie is like people wasting their fucking life, including himself working at a cemetery. Yeah, the great American movie. The great American movie. Yeah, what's your great American dream, you know? To make a movie. To become the fifth best film TV themed podcast on the internet. What about a movie about a podcast? Yeah, man. I was content to just do a podcast, but is that what I fucking want to do with my life? You know? Right. What you need is a modicum of expletives to pepper throughout your conversation. F word, S word, A word. All the words. I don't know. I don't know them yet. But when I learn them, you know, they'll sink in. I keep hearing them, but they just don't sink in. I edit specific episodes of this podcast for you where all the curse words like fuck and pussy and what? and fart What'd you say? have been edited out and you don't hear those. It's not that I don't hear them. I just don't remember them. But if I don't get my shit straight with this podcast, I'll, I'll be sucking down peppermint schnapps and calling Morocco at 2 a.m. And I don't really, is that the kind of shit that I'm looking forward to doing? No. <laughs> at one point... When they were making a movie back in the day, Mark and his friends, they took his car to a vacant drive-thru and smashed the windows out of his car. And they dragged him through a creek once. That was fun. Yep. There's a part where Mark is explaining his budget numbers, and he feverishly wipes off all his numbers off of a whiteboard. And he goes, I'm sorry I wiped those numbers off. And then he points at the blank space in which he wiped it and started explaining. 3,000 units. At fourteen ninety five. At fourteen ninety five of forty five thousand dollars. A thirty five minute movie yes. to make a profit. To make a profit so he can make Northwestern, the movie he really wants to make. He says all this while pointing at a blank whiteboard. Right, but we just saw it. He wiped it away. We yeah, know we know. But he there. kept pointing He's at it sorry. after he took the numbers away. Well, the idea of it is still present. Well, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it. I think you're maybe a, you come down a little hard on Mark. I'm Look, wiping whiteboards with your hand, is that what you fucking want to do with your life? You know, you got to do what you get sometimes. Look, I'm, I'm going to pull another quote here. I was called to the bathroom at the cemetery to take care of something. I walked into the bathroom in the middle of the toilet right there. Somebody didn't shit in the toilet. Somebody shat on the toilet. They shat on the wall. They shat on the floor. I had to clean it up, man. But before that, for about 10 to 15 seconds... I just stared at somebody's shit, man. To be totally honest with you, man, it was a really, really profound moment because I was thinking, I'm 30 years old, and in about 10 seconds, I got to start cleaning up somebody's shit, man. That is profound. So this, this is a guy that puts up with a lot to make the great American movie. Mark drags his Uncle Bill to the bank to make a business account for Coven. I forget what is the Northwestern Productions, whatever the company Yeah, Northwestern Productions. And he's telling his uncle, like, you got to be upbeat. Mark thinks that his dream should be everyone's. It seems like a lot right. of people well, are just he asked, fun. He asked Bill, you know, which is, I think, uh, a pertinent question. You know, what are you going to be thinking about in your coffin when you're lying there? When you go in the grave and you're just laying there in the casket, the last 
hoorah to final goodbye. What's gonna? What are you gonna think about, Bill? <laughs> you're, you're gonna be thinking about the great American dream. <laughs> what you do with your life? Bill is very cynical. He's old. He's seen a lot. Apparently, Bill's Mark's dad said that Bill used to be a pretty smart guy back in his day. But now he's just living in a trailer park and not really looking forward to much. Mark needs his mom to go out into the woods. Yes, Mark's mother is a saint. But she's got shopping today. She doesn't have time to wear a hood and a cloak, Mark, and go out and pretend to kill someone. What are you going to be thinking about when you're lying in your coffin? Yeah, Mom. (laughs) But she does go out because she is a saint, a Swedish saint, his mother, and goes out and... Puts on a cloak and helps him make his movie. She says, yeah, a lot. Is it, does Mark tell Mike to make sure that everyone has brown gloves? Hey, Mike, make sure everyone has brown gloves. Does everyone have brown gloves? Oh, dude, dude, dude. (laughs) You got, you got. I have some here. I'll have to do the clip for that because that's just some. Literally, this, this is the great thing about this movie, I think. I laugh so hard. We're getting lost in the narrative flow, but every single moment, there's like a classic cutaway take. You can't, you can't, I don't know. This is one of the funniest documentaries. It really is. I cackled out loud no less than five times watching this movie. There's so much just natural chemistry between everybody in this thing. That's what's great about it. The brother that... hates Mark for some reason. You don't really get it clear. He's like, I think he'd really only be suited for a factory job. Like, it's the most condescending thing (laughs) you can say about your brother. So there's clearly somebody making a documentary about your brother. (laughs) So, you know, is that the best thing you can say? (laughs) None of his, I mean, his relatives have been dealing with him doing this kind of thing all of his adult life. And everyone supports Mark, but, but to have like this endless well of faith in him, is a lot to ask for pretty much all of his family. Yeah. His brother says that Mark wants the nice house, but the, for the last eight years, he's been delivering papers. So he delivers papers as well as working, uh, the working at the cemetery. Mark describes himself as half and half. But you know what? I'm not a Christian. I'm half and half, man. Half's uh, with the Satanist idea and half the Christian idea. He's not the first half and half person we, we've met. In Heavy Metal Parking Lot, we meet that girl who's half fucked up and half not. Are you fucked up? Half and half. 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 (laughs) Joan is his girlfriend and also his location scout. Mark's got three kids by a woman named, I think it's Alyssa, and they don't get along very well. And at one point they asked the kids, like, did Mark take you to a movie recently? (laughs) <laughs> and they say, yeah. Apocalypse, Apocalypse now. now. They're all <laughs> and then they say, the horror. <laughs> we go to the trailer park. Mark's gone to see Bill. Mike Shank and Uncle Bill, priceless characters in this movie. If you had to, what would you use to gauge under the Herzog rating, which Herzog to use to rate documentaries? But we have other things. Arsenio Hall's rate television shows. Rebecca Black's rate songs. Mr. Bill's rate animated features. And Randy Newman's rate best friends and friend levels. You're going to rate them on a friend level. I was going to rate them on a great humans level. Oh, so that would be um, um, Gandhi's? Uh, No. 
Uh, um, not Mother Teresa. No, Oprah. Oprah, no. No, Donahue. Donnie Osmonds. Donnie Osmonds. Yeah. How many Donnie Osmonds would you give Uncle Bill? Well, you know, gotta go all the way. Five. Yeah. Five. Great Osmonds. human being. I'd give I give Mike Shank five Donnie Osmonds too. Totally. This is a great human being. I'd give Mark a four. He's nearly a yeah. That's why he's our main character though. Yeah. Because there's something to strive for. He's not perfection. Yeah, not like Bill or Mike. He's not a chiseled Adonis like a Mike Shank or Bill Borchard. And Marcus always is asking Uncle Bill about the future. This guy has got to be pushing 80. What you looking forward to? Aren't you uh, thinking about the future? And Uncle Bill is rightfully saying, no. (laughs) Mark tries to show Bill storyboards, and Bill's like, I've seen the storyboards two times already. <laughs> and he and Mark's like, well, where are your storyboards? And they're on the floor. And he's like, what are they doing on the floor? Why don't you respect my dream? <laughs> he says, how come every time I come over here, these, your shoes are on top of these storyboards? <laughs> you know, everything I get give you ends up under your shoes. <laughs> Mark's talking about the buying audience. Bill's being cheeky. He's kind of smi- He smiles at the camera a lot because... He may be a little cynical, but he's not too old for a, a joke. And he looks at the camera and he's smiling. He's like, who's the buying audience? <laughs> and every time Mark's talking about where this is going, Bill's like, that'll be the day. Well, you know what, Uncle Bill, when all this uh, takes off, I have one question to ask you. Red or white wine? Now, Stuart. Red or white? When this documentary uh, takes off. Mm, when red this doc- or white. When or excuse me, when this podcast takes off, Stuart, yeah, and we reach number five on the film TV genre in the iTunes rating, I only have one question to ask you: Red or white wine? <laughs> red or white wine? Red or white? Now you're thinking. <laughs> now you're thinking. <laughs> that's what he's that's what he says he's like you guys didn't finally like think about something to respond to him non-cynically and he's like yeah now you're thinking now, now you get thinking. to think about the future <laughs> <laughs> what wine are you gonna drink bill says he has maybe two hundred eighty thousand dollars. he's not sure and coven has been going on for two years at this point yeah bill has given mike or mark uh three thousand dollars for the northwestern production budget which is for coven the short film we find out later it's about seven thousand dollars was needed to produce it and i think only three thousand that was provided by bill so you got to think that mark's working his butt off to make these this movie it's not, he's not just trying to get a handout from bill even though that's kind of what you're led to believe i guess there's never he always needs money and he's not necessarily taking money from bill he's not taking money from peter to pay paul any money he does take it is going into making this film mark in coven is fighting this guy in a kitchen and mark's like what the hell fuck is wrong with you man you never really gotten into mark's dialogue but he's a master at writing dialogue <laughs> and if you there is a there is a scene where he's trying to get people do do he's we, we kind of breezed over it but he's trying He's doing a casting call and he's got people reading his lines. Every dialogue scene is somebody else yelling at someone else. <laughs> and he said, "He says you're making a mockery of my words. They're making a mockery of my words, Mike. You know what that means? 
No. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to go in there and show him how it's read. And then we cut to Mark reading the lines to one of the actresses. And he's like, you, you stupid fucking bitch. This is 186 fucking minutes phone call at goddamn prime time. I paid the fucking bill. <laughs> he's just screaming. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in his movies are going to be screaming at each other all the time. All of his scenes are him being a manic, crazy person. They're trying to score the these cabinet doors in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the goal is they score these doors. Kenny, the prop guy, is supposed to be handling yeah. this. Mark's friend. And then uh, Mark can Ken slam. Keen. Kenny. Ken Keen. Kenny Keen. Yeah. He's supposed to be scoring these cabinet doors. And Mark has to slam some guy's head into the the kitchen cabinet and action motherfucker me show me motherfucker me motherfucker oh man you all right and he does slam his head but it's not breaking and he slams his head over and over but it's not breaking they have to take it off and score it even more and they beat this guy's head against the kitchen cabinet at least 10 times before it finally breaks there's this guy named Robert Richard. He's probably the most serious actor involved in Coven. And he's arguing about the pronunciation of Coven. He says it's Coven. Mm-hmm. And Mark says, no, that sounds like oven. That's not fucking right, man. It's Coven. Mm-hmm. The movie's fucking called Coven. Yeah, it's called Coven. One of his brothers says that he always thought Mark was going to be like a stalker or a murderer. Or a serial killer. Mark's uh, all-time favorite movies are Dawn of the Dead, Return of the Dead, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's made all kinds of uh, of weird 8mm horror movies. And there was one, I think my favorite clip of one was called I Blow Up, which they got to use a lot of gore props and stuff. That's a great title for a movie, I Blow Up. <laughs> I don't even want to know what that movie's about. That sounds like something I want to see. When Mark was a kid, his parents did not get along very well at all there was always conflict and mark would withdraw from the family they seem to get along okay now maybe all that bad communication has just led to permanent breakdown which they can both be satisfied with seems like there's some tension in the family that probably is unresolved yeah now they're all adults and they're just and they're jaded mark is like a roman candle in this family burning burning bright apparently mike shank is losing did he say ten dollars a day or a week on lottery scratch-offs. I think a day, maybe. He says that they're better than drugs and alcohol because on drugs and alcohol, you're always going to lose. Truth. He goes to Gambling Anonymous, and he goes there for scratch-off addictions. Mark apparently owes $3,600 for child support. He goes. Yeah, a, he goes through a list of his debts at this point, right? And there, it yeah. sounds like by the end of the list, they're in the tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, normal amount of debt. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, most people are (laughs) pretty deep in debt. Mark says he won't marry Alyssa, and Alyssa wants to take the kids. Thanksgiving, 1996. This is where uh, we get back to peppermint schnapps. Peppermint schnapps. Schnapps. Because Bill gets a nice peppermint schnapps. This is a schnapps drinking family. That's that's what I like about it. So Thanksgiving schnapps. This is is another key point we we should point out, because... You know, Mark likes peppermint schnapps when he's calling Tangiers, Morocco. Bill likes the peppermint schnapps. It's because Bill and Mark are kind of kindred spirits in a certain way. Kind of are. Mark goes to see Bill on Thanksgiving. There's an article about Mark on the fridge. 
How much you want to bet Mark put that article there? I don't know. I don't think Bill minded that article there, though. Bill, I don't know what Bill is talking about. He might have been just drunk, but he's saying things like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Do they smoke and have cigarettes in heaven? He's reading poetry. It's like free association. You get the idea that Bill used to be quite a artistic type. I think this is your key into that. You know, with dementia and getting old, it's like you don't have the connecting words anymore. Context is kind of lost. Bye-bye, blues, he says. But Bill wants that schnapps, and he gets his schnapps, peppermint schnapps and Sprite. I wonder if that's good. No, let's find out. I've never had it. I don't think I've ever had a schnapps. Let's have peppermint schnapps. Let's have some. Get two big gobs of it. Mark describes talking to his brothers on the holidays as talking very sterilely about some very sterile subjects. (laughs) And Mark should do this if he's going to borrow money from his uncle. I'm glad to see Mark is doing this. He's helping... Bill get cleaned up, helping Bill get washed. Doing his laundry. Pointing out his wicked, gnarly toenails. That's like National Geographic. Yeah, that is at least an inch thick. This is the kind of thing they should see in science class. And then Bill says, science class? And Mark says, science class. And then Bill says, science class? And then Mark says, science class. Mike apparently won $50 on a scratch-off, and he's really happy about it. It's made his day. But he doesn't want to tell anybody, especially Mark. Right. When we first see Mike he, at Thanksgiving, he walks in with the biggest smile on his face. Yeah. Your smiling face? Yeah, what the hell you got to say for yourself, happy man? Happy Thanksgiving. And Mark is already drunk and just kind of like, hey, what are you so happy about? And then later, we meet Mike in the basement. Well, I won $50 on a lottery ticket today, but I don't want them guys to know because otherwise they'll want to borrow money from me. Now, later on in the movie, we find that uh, Mike wins like $100. Oh, yeah. Right? And then the, he's it's the Super Bowl. He, t- he has to tell them. He has to tell them, I won $100. Seems like a good Thanksgiving. Bill is drunk on the floor on peppermint schnapps. Mark is drunk talking. Joan points out that Mark wants to be somewhere where he's not. Let's fast forward now. Let's get back to Coven. Talk about Coven. Well, I do want to point out that we watched some cuts from 1990 from Northwestern, and the shots are not that bad looking. It looks good. Yeah, they're black and white. I, every shot I see of Northwestern, it's like, eh, it, it re- that could be an interesting movie. It does, it's an yeah. interesting idea. And he's talking about like his vision early on before this moment where he's like, yeah, it's going to be like Manhattan or Seventh Seal. You see these giant... Vistas behind the characters, dwarfed mm. by the Normandy, and he's like pointing out this old house that he wants to be a haunted house in Northwestern. I don't know. This yeah, yeah. Run by this girl that, but all we see is kind of like Mark in a you know old junkyard. Yeah, yeah. Pretending to be a mechanic, bashing out. Car you get the idea shows. that he doesn't really know how to be a mechanic as a character. It seems like as a cinematographer and someone who can frame a shot and make a shot, he does seem to have some talent. And then we see Mark breathing heavy, and he's holding an 8-millimeter camera. He's in the car, and he's saying that he's shooting his face or something, but that is, he says, that's the last shot of Coven. Then they got to do ADR and Foley work. Apparently, Joan left him. Yeah. We get a quote from his mom, and she thinks that uh, this is this problem between Mark and Joan and Alyssa and the kids, it's going to go on for a long time. Yes. And... It won't be resolved anytime soon. Probably until the kids are grown, because that's how it is, I suppose. He's doing some ADR work with Robert. The family is there, and they're in the living room, and you hear Robert going, (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Robert's just got these amazing moments. You, it, during Creeps, the radio play, he's like, no, no. It's amazing. <laughs> this guy just, he, he's, he, you could tell that he, he, he should be somewhere else. He should be in this like theatrical setting that he's not, but he's here he is in Coven, which he's perfectly happy to be in. Mike plays some guitar blindfolded. Mike Shank, that guitar is like his one expert thing in this world. I mean, that and interacting with human beings. We see Mark double vacuuming a tomb. He's holding two vacuums together. He's, it's like he's got some like... Oh, it's trip. a double vacuum. That's what they have for this. They Do they really have yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. It seemed like the cord action wasn't working out too well. He was constantly having to get him off the funeral flowers. That's a real thing. How do you know that? I just know. You vacuum tombs, bro? <laughs> what? You're a fucking tomb vacuumer, aren't you? Oh, you vacuum tombs? Bro, you been vacuuming tombs? Mark brings Joan some flowers. He said they're from the cemetery. I'm not clear. Sometimes like they were special. Right. They look like uh, funeral flowers, but... And I think Joan is like, these are like not normal flowers. And they aren't. They're like geraniums or something weird. They're not like, they're not geraniums. They're like these annual flowers you see at church. They're like real bland flowers that aren't really flowers. Mark says a lot of words, but he fucking just took them from the cemetery. (laughs) Maybe. No, he says he bought them himself. I believe him. Okay. I believe him. Wait, why not believe Mark? Sure, Mark. Mike's mom packed them a lunch that day. That's very nice of Mike's mom. And they've gone to Bill's to record some audio. Now, Bill is a producer, so he gets a starring role in this movie. Yeah. He plays the old man in the vehicle that says, It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. And you did that off the top of your head. Uncle Bill with a script that takes 30 plus. All right. Uh, There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Okay, great, Bill, but we gotta, we have to have fluidity in there. And he never gets it right. Yeah, he never gets it right. <laughs> no, they just give up. And the scene in Coven that we see of him doing it, he's in a moving truck. Like, where he finally pulls it off, like, we never even saw that. They're just sitting in a parked car, more than 30 takes, until Bill is finally like... This is the, for the shits and for the birds. This is for the birds. I don't believe nothing what you're doing <laughs> that's bill that's our bill and then eventually bill's like i don't want to do anymore goodbye yeah just like the aol guy goodbye <laughs> yeah he sure does <laughs> super bowl sunday 1997 mark mike won $200 on a scratch off mark wants mike to buy beer with his money because mark's brought about 40 bucks over a couple pictures but mike is an extreme addict alcoholic he's he's not doing that anymore and he's like oh i don't want to spend it on beer and mark's mom is pretty much on mike's side she's like no mark mark is really pushing for mike to go out and buy beer with his money and mark's mom is like no i'm not going to let you spend his money on beer not going to drive him to the bar either and mark thinks that everyone is lost man yeah yeah this is the brattiest we've seen mark yeah he's clearly had a lot of drinks mark is angry at everyone because no one wants him to spend his friend's money this is why mark gets four donny osmonds and not quite five but you know would you buy the movie coven 
Coven for fourteen ninety five? No, I would. I could see you doing that. Yeah, if you, if Mark could find about three thousand people like me, yeah. They're working on some screaming sounds for ADR, and Mike gets up. This is a very even-keeled, tonal guy, very dry way of speaking. And Mike gets up on that microphone. Yeah, the best scream. Ready, Mike? When I say take one, give it a couple seconds. Take one. The best scream you might have ever. It's going to be up there in your top three screams of it's your life. It's in the trailer. If you go watch the trailer for American, you'll it, see this. Mark is blown back. That was wicked, man. We see more Northwestern footage. Again, interestingly shot footage, but they're drinking. They're constantly drinking. I don't know what Northwestern was truly about. I don't think he ever finished making that movie. Yeah. Was it just about constantly drinking? It was about drinking and hanging out in a junkyard. And at some point, there's a girl that runs a haunted house that they meet and they go inside the haunted house. That's all I know. Kenny Keene, his friend, who's got, he's like the blonde guy who's balding and has a ponytail, mullet thing, rat tail thing going on. Cool hair, you mean? Yeah, super cool hair. Mom says that that guy's a bad influence. He's essentially his prop guy, Mark's yeah. prop guy. Ken Keene tells a story about. Ken's dad buying Mark and them a bunch of beers and drinking, and then Mark's parents showing up, and Ken's dad runs away and ditches. That's the way, at the point where we hear moms. <laughs> Ken's dad just runs like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> well, they go to get Kenny out of jail, and the car is full of the camera crew yeah. in the back. It's a car full of people coming to pick up a guy who can't fit in this car. And as they're squeezing in. All right, I'll move over. And they put flyers atop some newspapers, and apparently, some old newspapers, <laughs> a ton of the flyers got tossed out with the old newspapers. Yeah, they tell this long story about so we had our flyers on top of the, the Milwaukee Flyer, the newspaper, and the guy came to change out the papers, and he took the old papers. And so he took our flyers. <laughs> <laughs> At which point Mark's like, but dude, that doesn't make any sense. Made sense to him. I've watched this movie so many times. Maybe he's trying to console Mark in a way, but Mike says, maybe you'll be a movie producer. And Mark says, well, where's the reward in that? And Mike says, sex, money, power. And then we hear Mark go, <sighs> Like, Mike just doesn't get it. It's <laughs> not what it's about. It's about making the great American movie, as it's, he said over and over again. It's two days until the premiere. Mark's kids are asked if they want to be filmmakers when they grow up. They don't. One Film. of them does. One of them says, wait a minute, yes, yes. And he stands up. He's very adamant. He doesn't really argue on behalf of it. The other kids are like, it takes a million years to do it. It takes a million years. And then one of the other kids says, no, it doesn't. I heard that. They're probably making films now. June 12th, 1997, the Coven premiere. There is a nice turnout. And yeah. Bill gets the up-to-the-door red carpet producer treatment. This movie looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. And But they, they did edit it down to 30 seconds. So, you know, what do we know from the edited That's version? That's true. That edited version may be the way you need to watch it. Yeah, I mean, watch it that way for sure. 
because it's an American movie, which but, you should watch. But there are some good shots of that guy getting his head in the rammed into the kitchen cabinets. Mark does have some ability. Maybe he shouldn't be the writer and actor and all that shit, but <laughs> Mark steps out says a bunch of manic words. Uh, people applaud, though. It seemed like people were very entertained. Yeah, they applaud as he's fucking off the stage. <laughs> yeah. He rambles on about, and he's, and he's you holding, happy now, Mike? And he's holding a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, anyone I've forgotten, well, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike says that making movies is what Mark does. And as long as Mark wants to do that, he wants to make movies with them because they're buddies for life. Life buddies. Mark congratulates Bill, and he tells Bill, are you ready for the next film? It's going to cost 40 to 50 grand. Are you ready to live your dreams? Says Mark to Uncle Bill. Yeah, more dreams. And Bill says, Oh, come again. Come again. Uh, come again. 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 Stay. Stay a while. Don't leave. Come back soon. Stick around a while. Stick around as long as you can. Heaven help you. God help you. Jesus help you. Everybody else help you. Everybody, everybody make happy. Make everybody happy. Be a comedian. <laughs> Then he hangs his head low and shakes it. Unfortunately, on October 13th, 1997, Uncle Bill would pass away. And he left Mark $50,000 to finish his film. Yeah! And we end, the movie ends on some old footage of, of Kenny and Mike and Mark making movies as teenagers. They're very young. It looks like they had a blast. He never made, finished making Northwestern. I think I was looking at some of his credits. Uh, since American Movie, Mark has shown up. Mark and Mike have shown up on various TV shows. Family over the Guy, years. right? Mark Bichard was a regular guest on Letterman. I think Mike Shank did some segments for Letterman as well. And they were on uh, like G4 a bunch. That channel, you remember that? Yeah. They were on that a bunch. They made a bunch of movies with other Milwaukee filmmakers, I know. But they were never. they never finished another film, or he never did. There was a movie called Scare Me that never got finished. Hopefully Mark at least squares that. And that is one of the funniest documentaries ever, American Movie by Chris Smith. That praise can maybe give you a clue as to where we're going with this when we review this movie. Because we don't review movies through the archaic star rating. We use the Herzog rating system. I'm going to give it one through five Herzogs. Stuart, you're going to give it one through five Herzogs. Yes. We will combine... Our score for best out of 10 Herzog. Very good. I'm going to go first. American Movie. We've said it. It's one of the funniest documentaries ever made. I laughed very hard. I laughed a lot at Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I laughed pretty good while we watched that one. But I could not imagine laughing harder to any movie, even the ones that I've yet to see and don't know anything about, except for maybe the movie Zoo. I don't know if you've seen that one. That was pretty funny. <laughs> But I laughed so hard at this movie. Every aspect of it is just so breathlessly charming. If you're not from this part of the United States, which I'm not, you're not, it's really an interesting cultural insight into working class Minnesotans and the way that they go throughout their lives, 
and the way they live their dreams. And everything they say is like fucking quotable gold, quotable manna from heaven. You know where I'm going with this, Stuart. Mm. Five out of five heard songs for an American movie. You know what? You are right on. I'm going to have to concur. This is a five out of five Herzog. Oh, shit. You know what that means? Perfect documentary. Perfection. That's right, Chris Smith. Welcome back. You did it again. We teased you a lot, but we got you on the spot, Chris Smith. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm like the Vinnie Barbarino, Stuart's like the horse shack, and you, Chris Smith, are our Mr. Cotter, and you have graded us. We're like the radio disc jockeys playing the hits of Chris Smith. Yeah. In the 60s, and everyone's rocking and bopping with a socks on. And that hopping. classic song from 99 still holds up as good you as know, it ever did. And like Chubby Checker singing, come on, baby. If you have not seen American movie, see this fucking movie. I would say this is worthy of owning. But a lot of people don't own movies movies anymore. So rent it. Just you know, rent it. It's, it's going to be no more than $3. You know, buy the rights to the film so that you own the film. And then you can profit every time somebody watches the film. That's one way of doing it. I mean, why not? Save up some money. Maybe all of you listeners together put some money in a piggy bank. That might be something we could do in the future, as, with the, as the podcast grows to an enormous juggernaut, we can start buying documentaries we like and owning the rights to them. And when we reach that point, I only have one question for you, Stuart. Red or white wine? Red or white? Hmm. Red or white? Now you're thinking. American Movie by Chris Smith. Perfect. 10 out of 10 Herzog film. Keep on thinking. Keep on docking. Live your fucking dreams. What the hell? Live your fucking American dreams. Live your hell fucking American dreams. Is this what your life's all about? Yeah, what are you going to do in the future? Listen to another podcast? Yeah, old man. (laughs) Yeah, 80-year-old man. What's your future look like? (laughs) Keep on talking. Hold on, bro. I'm going to play something for Chris Smith. Go-getters. Get two with Duncan Gunn. Why are ads so long? (laughs) (laughs) This is for you, Chris. Duncan Gunn. Yeah, Chris. Welcome back. All right. It's been real, Chris. Remember Jim and Andy? Yeah. It's time for American Movie. Woo! A classic. Cheers! Oh, yeah. Back here where we need ya. The lockers, you got him on the spot. Welcome back, Christmas. Welcome back, welcome back. Now, now, that's brand new soda from Coca Cola. It's called Surge.